Welcome to Marketecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews with leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by Nick Jordan, the founder of Narrative.io. Thanks for being here, Nick. Thanks for having me. So you're taking data and you're disaggregating it. When I think data, I think like a segment. I think about like a auto attenders that I buy through a broker, like a Blue Kai, now Oracle, and it just appears as a checkbox in my DSP. How are you disrupting that? From day one, we didn't think of data as the same as a segment. Instead, we thought of data in its raw form before it actually gets turned into a segment and data that could be used for things that are not purely targeting or action-based. And so the first thing that we did differently is all of the data that lived in our platform lived in its raw form. So think rows and columns of strings and numbers and, and a bunch of things, but not just something that's labeled auto-intenders. Okay, so it's not an auto-intender. It's a, it's a user who has done an action, like research a car. Went to a web page, went to a car dealership, installed an app on their phone, declared in a survey that they were looking at the new Ford Focus. But effectively, no aggregation, no inference placed on top of the data before it flows into the platform. I want to go through what data it is and then go through how it's used or how it's distributed and then how it's used. So is this all user data and what's the anonymity level? It's not all user data. Honestly, the easiest way to think about us from a technology perspective is as a database. As raw data is coming into the platform, the companies that are licensing the data can push any arbitrary schema into our system. So it could be user-based data that's keyed on a hashed email address and then a bunch of additional columns. It could be weather data, which has no user component at all, but it has latitude and longitude and timestamp and air temperature let's say. And so it's really fairly far flung from what the actual data looks like. When it is consumer data, again, it's sort of dependent on the company that owns and licenses the data. And and, and maybe this is a good point to point out that we don't actually buy and sell data ourselves. We license our technology to companies that buy and sell data. And so, you know, depending on their own internal controls and their view of the world, there may be different levels of anonymity, but it's often pseudo-anonymous identifiers, hashed versions of less anonymous identifiers that effectively flow into the platform. So with regard to where it is anonymous or pseudo-anonymous identifiers, do you offer any sort of data spine or resolution of those user IDs? Or do you leave it to people like LibRAP, et cetera, to do that? Well, it's interesting. So prior to starting the company, I ran product at TapAd, which was obviously in the identity space and now is, sure. is owned by Experian and, and continues to do identity. From very early on, we did not want to build an identity graph or an identity spine of our own. I think it's you know, partially just having done it. You know, it's not one of those things you, you necessarily want to do twice. But obviously, resolution from one identifier to another becomes important in, in the ad tech ecosystem. We actually treat that resolution is just another form of data that can be licensed on the platform. And so if you have one seller that's licensing data tied to a mobile ad ID, and you've got a buyer that you know, wants to buy data but needs the data tied to a hashed email address, if you actually have a second provider that can provide the resolution from the hashed email address to the mobile ad ID, you can actually create two micro transactions that happen. The first transaction for the underlying data with the action that has taken place, and the second transaction being the mapping to the right identifier space, we enable that join to happen seamlessly in the platform. So while we don't have our own identity spine, sort of the network we've created creates an identity spine for our customers. While we're still on the data supply side, what sort of privacy and consent signals are then supported as data is being passed to you? 
So we support a bunch of different standards, including sort of the, the IEB consent flags. One of the ways we see our platform is very similar to, you know, how we see Sarbanes-Oxley. It's, you know, all about having the controls and passing the message and making sure people are signing off on them. And so we will take any consent signals flags that we get from the supply. We will then pass those flags downstream to anyone that may have licensed that data. We then wait for an acknowledgement that they said, hey, we got the fact that there was an opt-out or a, a consent flag changed. We then wait for a second acknowledgement that they've then acted on that notice. So they've deleted the data, they've done whatever they're doing, and then we will pass that acknowledgement back downstream to the supply chain. And we keep a record of all of this to make sure that everyone's comfortable, that everyone's being compliant along the way. Thanks for listening. To hear the complete interview, subscribe at architecture.tv. 